0: Smart and work hard, but just aren't where or who you want to be. Welcome to your podcast, Real Confidence. I'm your host, Alyssa DeVere, and I'll be sharing a bit of brain science, some surprising social secrets, and a touch of tough love. Why? Because I believe confidence is everyone's fundamental right and choice. So let's get to it. We... Are going to talk about a sexual confidence. So get the kids out of the room. Don't be listening to on the speakers on the car if they're in the back. Let's get ready because I've got an incredible expert with us today. Her name is Liz Dubay and she is a certified sex therapist. She's a coach and a licensed marriage and family therapist. Liz, before I go any further, I got to ask you, How the heck does one, why does one become a certified sex therapist?
1: It's so complicated and so simple. Talking about sex is fun. I mean... I remember being in high school, listening to Dr. Ruth on the radio and thinking that is the best job ever. But the more complicated answer is I grew up in a progressive family. My mom was totally comfortable talking about sex and sexuality. And then with that, I became comfortable with it. And then I talked to friends and they kind of assigned me the registered sex therapist. (laughs) And so they'd go to me for advice and I I lacked the confidence though, to do it as a career until I was older. So this is my second career. And it wasn't until my thirties that I said, you know what, I think I really should be doing what I love and I can be successful doing this. And it took a bit of professional experience on top of the enjoying talking about sex to, so to get what was me where your I'm at. what was the first career was it related uh kind of I studied psychology I also have a master's in industrial organizational psych and I worked with people in terms of coaching their behavior, managers, work-life effectiveness and balance. And so I loved helping people and it was great to be able to do it on a professional level, but then I thought, you yeah, know, I have this little special skill talking about sex. Why not help people and have so much more fun doing it? And so I leaned into it and here I am. I love
0: it. I love it. You know, so one of my all time favorite shows is the one from the UK called sex education. And literally <laughs> it's the greatest show and my son watches it, but here's mm-hmm. the truth. Like he's like, oh mom, we can't watch it together. I'm like, why not? Like, right. So, what is it that causes people to have this confidence crisis around this one topic? I mean, they'll talk about almost anything. I would think mm-hmm. money is still a little sensitive, but yeah. talking about sex is like, it's just it,
1: what is it? What? Why yeah. are you so great, crazy about mean, it? I mean, I think we learn from a really young age from our parents' nonverbals and their verbals, that this is not an okay topic to talk about. We can talk generally, we can talk about the dangers of sex, but we can't talk about the pleasures of sex. And so I think that's what happens is that from an early age, kids ask about sex and procreation and they notice their parents' uncomfortableness and the the shutdown that happens. And then they go from there to noticing it in society and how it's such a taboo. And then they go from there and they get feedback from their friends because their friends are also feeling uncomfortable because their parents are uncomfortable with it. And then you go into your first relationship and they, that can often be really healing and make you feel much more comfortable talking about sex. But if that person is yucking your yum, if that person's judging the way that you're showing up and, and questions that you're asking and things that you're curious about, things that you desire, then again, you, it's reinforcing all those old messages that you got from your parents. And then there we go.
0: Yeah. I, so whatever the cause, right. It's, it's kind of a bummer because nobody likes to feel uncomfortable in any situation, but you, you don't die from not talking about sex, but I would, I I'm sure in all your training, it's very clear when you suppress something like that, when you are uncomfortable and it's such a normal, natural part of living, it's gotta have some kind of negative ramification beyond mm-hmm. just a little embarrassment. Like yeah. not talking about it. Yeah. You can avoid not
1: talking about it, but reality is that it's, it's a problem, right? Yeah. Not, basically the problem is, is like what happens is then you're stuck here. You are, you you're growing up in all these other areas and you're not growing up sexually. You're staying that little kid that's 14 that's in puberty.
0: Yeah. Not good. <laughs> so it, it's embarrassing. People mm-hmm. don't like to talk about it, but mm-hmm. um, you're, you know, you talk to people all day about it. So they may not be talking about it, but they're thinking it and they probably Mm -hmm. are
1: doing it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and I'll tell you in my office, people, every day I hear something that someone's never told someone else. I'm the first person to hear it. And that feels lovely. I feel really I appreciate that, that, that they feel comfortable enough to share. That's also created by the energy that I'm showing up in is I'm letting them know when they say, Oh, this is my kink. I say, Oh, tell me more. What's that all about? Like, where do you uh, like, do you, do you like it this way? Do you like it that? And so then I'm getting curious. I'm saying, tell me more. Tell, where, and, and, and whereas a partner might be like, Oh, why do you like that? And that message right there shuts you down. You go, Oh, this is not a safe place for me to talk about my desires for me to just talk openly and be curious. People are much more comfortable talking about at a cocktail party about sex, as long as it's not personal. It's like we could talk about these general things about sex. We can talk to our partners about general things about sex. We could say, "Oh yeah, you know, uh, non monogamy is totally cool. I know some people that do it." But then if your partner says, "Oh, is that something that you'd be open to?" You go, "Oh, well, why would you ever ask me that question?"
0: Right, right. It's the person personal thing. So you know, funny. I'm a confidence coach, right? I'm not a sex coach, but Mm -hmm. we share that people do Mm -hmm. not like talking about their own confidence but they're happy to talk about the confidence of their kids, their spouse, their friends, and happy to help them with it. Right. So there's this interesting angle and I'm sure we could geek out on it, but we're not going to do that on the podcast. (laughs) Like what is the psychological root of why, when we have to talk about our own needs, our own desires, Mm -hmm. our own wants, our own values, it gets a little uncomfortable. It gets
1: very uncomfortable, right? I think it's, it's so much more vulnerable than talking in general terms. You're saying, Do you love me? Will you accept me? When you talk about what you long for and desire sexually, and if your partner says, ooh, yuck, then that means you don't love me. It means that I'm not good enough. It means that maybe there's something wrong with me. And so many people for many, many years hold secrets about what they truly desire, what they want sexually. And the longer that we hold that secret, secret, the bigger the shame gets. And so it becomes almost this like feeling of if i if I actually share this intimate detail of my fantasy, my desires, I could just die. If my partner told me that that wasn't okay.
0: Yeah. Well, it's disappointing, right? It's very disappointing. Mm-hmm. I think it also opens up a little bit of that. I don't feel like an expert in this area, right? Like there are <laughs> people who are not just Liz, but there's other people who are extras and I'm not mm-hmm. mean Alyssa, yeah. but nobody, right? Like mm-hmm. most people, And so it also becomes that sense of, you know, I don't know what I don't know. I haven't practiced, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no expertise. Right. So I guess, you know, the obvious question then is how do people, what's like the first step to break out of the constraint? Like, do they go see Mm -hmm. a sex therapist? Do they watch videos? What's like the first step in getting over that paranoia?
1: We are so lucky now to the ways that we can learn about sex, Google, you can find tons of books is it all accurate? (laughs) Not necessarily, right? One of the biggest problems is a lot of people are learning about sex from Hollywood and porn, and neither of those are accurate. And so that really messes with us thinking, oh, I guess what I like isn't right. And so I often recommend, I give clients lots of resources, books, educate yourself about what is healthy sexuality. And the simple answer is anything goes, as long as it's consensual, anything that you feel like you like, and you desire who fucking cares where it comes from. You know, we don't have to pathologize that.
0: No, we don't. Well, you dropped another c word with this which is consensual so you know where my mm-hmm. brain went I don't know why but it's mm-hmm. fine right mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's good that this is audio only uh is consensual what if what if you bring something to a partner and they're like oh or I'm not interested in that like mm-hmm. is that bad it's that terrible' at the end of the road like what it mm-hmm. what do you do with that
1: it's gonna depend with each couple sometimes people are in this, a standoff where one partner wants something and then the other partner feels like, well, I'm not even gonna edge in on that at all because it's such a turnoff. Now that's where sex therapy can be handy some sex coaching to be able to get some ideas of how do we navigate our differences here? We don't have to just, we don't have to end the relationship because we can't physically do this kink that you want to do. Are there ways to navigate it through verbal role play? Can you join your partner in their fantasy of doing the kink without actually doing it? Is, are, are there ways that you can act it out that might jive more with your partner's erotic map and not feel like such a turnoff. But if your partner is like, your kink really, really turns me off, then I don't think that's completely the end of the road. But I think that really seeing a professional to be able to help you work through this, because it's going to feel so shameful and to be able to be in an office with someone who can say, oh, well, tell me what it is that you, what what is it about that fantasy that turns you on? And sometimes we find that that person's kink isn't what it appears to be on the on the surface level, where a partner might think, well, you just want to degrade me. No, this is not about me degrading you. This is the way I feel when... When I imagine us playing out this kink and then when their partner can understand, oh, oh, okay. So this isn't about you degrading me. This is about you feeling dot, dot, dot. And those conversations are really hard to have because like we started this podcast with is that people aren't talking about sex. It's a skill. This is a skill that has not been developed because we stopped talking about it when we were five. I mean when my when my kids asked about where do babies come from I said okay well there's a penis it goes in the vagina and and a few more sentences no, and no then they and no and then they, involved. yeah they laughed and they were like oh okay pass the peas and no big deal. But other parents are like, Oh, okay. Well, Virginia and the, and the soldiers and, um, right. Yeah. Um, the baby is conceited. Come on, really? Can we just like the kids, kids want brass tacks. What is it? Is that the word? brass Yeah, No, well in
0: reality is like you said before, if you don't tell them, they'll just Google it up. I mean, it's not that hard anymore. Different when I grew up, like, you know, Mm -hmm. I had to go find people who actually, spoke right <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right well good you know we're gonna come back later um so i'm not even gonna break it because i'm not ready to break with you at all but um i want to talk a little bit about how you build the skill because we say confidence is a skill mm-hmm. and um you know one of the things that you know we're talking about confidence and we're talking about sex in both in terms of skill i will also make the the uh conclusion here that Confidence gives sex better sex, and better sex probably gives confidence. Do you think there's a chicken Mm -hmm. and an egg egg here? Um,
1: hmm. Do you
0: need to be confident to have great sex, or do you think you get great confidence from having great sex?
1: Hmm. I I I actually googled the word confidence before this podcast, because I was like, what is confidence? And really what I, came, what I came up with when I, when I searched different interpretations is like, it's trust. And so, and, and, and being able to trust. And so I thought, well, how do you trust your sexual desires? If you la- if it's like happening in a vacuum, I think it would be okay if there was no shame in our society, if sex wasn't a taboo. But we are wondering, is it okay to have these desires? So I think that we educate ourselves a little bit so that we get a sense of everything is normal. You are so normal. Everything that you desire is normal. And as long as it's consensual, it's cool. Lean into it. If it feels good, go for it. Yeah. And, and the leaning into that, then you explore, you're open to exploring yourself you're open to exploring your partner. And that's where the confidence builds. I think that you can be sexually confident without ever having had a partner. If you feel okay with masturbation, having pleasure sessions with yourself and exploring your body and knowing what feels good and what you don't like, that is confidence because you're trusting of like, this feels good. I like it. And um, then if you can take the next step of feeling that it's okay, then you can communicate to that, to your partner. And then if you're in a relationship with a partner who it feels emotionally safe, they're going to be like, oh, okay, cool. Tell me more. Do I do it? Do you like it this way? Or do you like it that way? Oh, okay. More this way. Oh, okay. And then, and then between those two, you know, how do you like it? And that, then that reinforces the confidence of like, oh, I, I'm, I'm okay. I am good in whatever I want and desire is okay. And so then that fuels the confidence. Does that make sense? It, Well, of course
0: it does. And you know, my, my phrase on everything I do is to get more confidence. You have to give it away. And I think it's the same thing with sex. If you mm-hmm. are more in tune with not just your own needs, but other people's needs, and you're giving them pleasure, they're going to give you, it's, it's a self-perpetuating cycle, mm-hmm. right? You know, I think back of people in my life all the way back to high school, literally middle school, I think even of the ones that I can remember vividly, they were like that person that just kind of oozed that sexuality. Like they just had it and Mm. it confidence or sexuality. Again, I, I can see real parallels here. You know, I think you're absolutely right that they probably didn't have the experience per se of other partners. Maybe we all thought they did, right? Maybe they said they did but they had a sexual confidence about themselves which probably then attracted more and it created that cycle of, yeah, actually I'm pretty good at this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, am wondering, and in my memory, they were all men for the most part, boys. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm having a hard time remembering any females that had that. Mm. Do you see differences
1: across gender lines? Well, you know, it, it's much more complicated for women when we're confident, which way are we going to be interpreted? Are we interpreted as sexy or slutty? And a lot of people, if they, feel themselves being interpreted as slutty then that that feels shameful there's a judgment about that and so then i think you know what's i've talked about this before i blogged about this uh people lie about sex men lie about how great they are at it and women lie the opposite women lie about how much they're having they minimize Ah. men maximize women minimize because if we're too confident, then it's like, ooh, well then you're getting around, you little slut you. You know, it's funny, you said slut. I was like,
0: what's the male equivalent? It's like, mm-hmm. I don't think there is. And even like no. when we say bitchy versus cocky, not in the mm-hmm. sexual w- w- respect, but right, cocky also is almost like a compliment, right? It's mm-hmm. it, it has a little nuance of like, oh, you're so cocky, right? And quite honestly, there is a sexual impl- implication there that they are quote cocky, right? So. Mm-hmm but you're right I, like is there a male version of slut is there like oh he sleeps around is that and it's not seen as bad it's seen as like
1: you've got cred right yeah it's like it's like wow he's got skills he's got game hate the hate the player not the game <laughs> Right, I hate it's the game, terrible. not the
0: player, or whatever. I, yeah, I know. no, it's horrible. It's true. Mm-hmm. All right, so here's what I'm gonna um, suggest. And again, like I, I kind of feel, well, actually, before we do that, before we go to break, mm-hmm. I, like I'm gonna keep pushing the break off, maybe we not even take one. Mm-hmm. Generations, you said, not against women versus men. You see, is there any age issues that come up as far as comfort with sex? So do you get better as you age? And with, with age, you do get more confident. Hmm. Do you see a difference between the, the generations in terms of their comfort level with sexual stuff?
1: You know, I don't know. I'm not necessarily, I'm not seeing anything, you know, this is one of the reasons I became a sex therapist was I thought that as I got older, my friends would start to feel more comfortable talking about sex. I didn't see myself as special. I just thought, saw myself as like, I've matured faster. Or like, I, I, I I'm more comfortable talking about sex earlier in age. And so then I thought that say in my twenties, I have, I have these lawyers, doctors, you know, successful people as friends and the older they got, same thing. It was like, Liz, why do you have to talk about sex again? Ah, like don't say Cochrane. No, um, <laughs> it was, I, mean, I was just fascinated that. With more education, did not come more comfort talking about sex and their desires. So, with this generation, I mean, they have Google. My generation didn't have Google. We had you know, there were a few, there were books that people sourced. I had Dr. Ruth. I mean, I listened to her. I remember it was like nine o'clock every night on the radio. And I was like, so excited to hear and learn. And, oh, and then we had Dr. Drew after that, that was a common radio show. Um, but those were pieces where we could get accurate information. Google is not always accurate. And the porn that, that the kids are seeing is definitely not accurate. So, are they more confident? Are they more, uh, because I wouldn't say if, if we're talking about confidence and if that, if I'm remembering, if that's the original question before I started to babble on. Yeah. Generations. I mean, are younger people more confident in this area? I, I mean, how could they be if they're, I think it's, it's all about, I mean, maybe I, I, I hope that my kids are more confident than I am.
0: Because, yeah, that'll be you know each of generation people. yes right. exactly
1: right and so if there people my age are still struggling talking about sex so we haven't stopped the generational trauma of sexual shame yeah yeah and I and, think
0: well put way you're putting it mm-hmm. it is it's a sexual it's a generation it's a trauma it is what it mm-hmm. is yeah, yeah. absolutely. I didn't mean to cut you out there, but I was like, that that's what it is. It's yeah. a trauma-related reaction and, and it is being perpetuated for yeah. sure. So ha- I I do have to give our sponsor a little love. I'm gonna just cut us off here for a few a minute or two, I promise, because I know my listeners are probably like, I want to hear more of this. When we come back though, I want to talk about how do we get over that trauma? How as whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, I don't care how old you are, like what kind of mm-hmm. things can you suggest that people do now? to get more comfortable talking, doing whatever sex. All right. So give us a couple minutes. We'll be right back. This podcast was sponsored by the American Confidence Institute. ACI trains smart, hardworking people, how to use basic brain science to more effectively coach themselves and others. ACI is endorsed by top universities, the Strategic HR Management Association, and International Coaching Federation. Learn more about ACI's uniquely empowering keynotes, workshops, e-classes, and coaching certification at www.americanconfidenceinstitute.com. All right, so for those of you who are back with us, oh, we're still talking about sex. How cool? Yummy, yummy. Yeah. You know, I, I, Liz, I joke with people. I say, you know, sometimes people would rather talk about erectile dysfunction than confidence, but I think in reality, um, it's that sex word in general that kind of like gets people up in a little hackle. So if people are embarrassed about talking about it, let alone doing it, let alone feeling comfortable, confident about it, like, what are some of the things that they actually can do right now, no matter how old they are, no matter what, assuming they haven't had a, serious Mm -hmm. major sexual trauma because that's a different issue. Yeah. But how do the rest of us kind of feel a little bit more comfortable? What can we do? Mm -hmm.
1: I think there's some great books out there. One of my favorite books is called come as you are by Emily Nagowski. And really the theme throughout her book is you are normal. Everyone is normal. And She gives you accurate information about our sexual responsiveness, about how society has influenced our reactions to talking about sex. And it's just every client that I've ever recommended it to says, oh my gosh, I feel so much better about what's happening with my body or what my desires are. Great. And then, I mean, there's great, there's great books out there that can help you to feel maybe more aware of your body, maybe I'm more aware of uh, how to lean into sexual acts that you're feeling maybe a lacking in skill. I mean, I I don't think that sex is a skill really. I think sex is really about listening and paying attention and being present with your partner and being enthusiastic. And when you have all of those components, then this then the, uh, the supposed skill will develop. Yeah. I I have I I post almost daily on TikTok and I and I am always educating people. So you could go to my TikTok at, at Talk Sex with Liz and check check out those videos. And those are accurate information to be able to help you feel like, okay, what makes up a healthy sex life? What what are what are some what is it that could ignite my desire? What what am I doing on a daily basis that is creating more shame sexually. And I think following people on social media that are actual experts, that could be helpful if you're limited in time and you don't wanna read a book. And- uh, Yeah, but you know, I, I'm gonna go back,
0: as you said, it maybe you took back a little bit your earlier thing that it's not a skill. It is a skill. It's just because you're comfortable and used to it. Like mm-hmm. if people have never skied, And you put them on skis, they're going to have a hard time. And skiing is clearly a skill, right? Uh But you uh learn, you get more comfortable, you push yourself a little bit further each time. That's all part of that learning curve. And that's no different Mm -hmm. from what you're saying. So is there like a baby step people can do other than read a book, watch a video? Is there something today they can do right now? Um, Something
1: you want to hear today. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I think that the reason why I hesitate to call it a skill is that I, that your body knows what you like. it's trusting in your body. If you are, if you don't have a partner, then what I would want you to do is to start in the shower with massaging your body and starting to identify what feels erotic when I touch my body. Don't rush to your genitals, explore the outer elements of your body and make your way into your genitals. And then once you're in a place of feeling sexy and aroused then go to your genitals and then that's going to feel so much better so <laughs> take it slow i love and, it and um and the more that you can masturbate and explore your body then the more that you're going to know your body and the more you're going to be able to articulate what you like and what you want less of and and then and just be open to say, oh, well, I've never done that, but let's see what happens. Be open to trying new things. And then with your partner being able to say, hey, I don't know if I really know what your top turn-ons are. Can you tell me? Can you show me? And then hopefully that opens it up to where they're going to say, well, what are yours? (laughs) And then you can be able to reciprocate that. Um, I would also say that in terms of touching, being able to use different textures, different ways of touching in a way that you say, Hey, do you like, do you like it when I rub you like this? Or do you like it when I rub you like that? And that's a way to explore your bodies without, without, um, and it's, it's an easy response of like, oh, I like number one better it's than like number two. Test. It's like, exactly. It's like going to the eye doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you do number one, you go, do well, do you like when I go faster or do you, when you like it, when I go slower, I go, it's like, okay. I like number one, slower. Great. You have learned a new skill. But I mean, it's like
0: part of that, but you have to deliberately try. You have to even practice to some extent. Right. And you've got to be that much more committed.
1: Yeah. your body that yeah. your body knows what you want and so body, right? i don't trust my body on skis i fall on my butt and i fall on my face and uh, and so yes skiing is definitely a skill uh, but I don't trust it's like, okay, is this gravity working? Is it like, if I lean forward, am I going to fall? Or is this, how much do I need to lean forward? Because,
0: because you haven't practiced, right? Like we just got through the Olympics and those ice skaters, you know, flipping on the ice, like I, ah. I'm lucky if I stand. Right. So it's, it's a matter of trust, like you said, and you know, I like, this is uh, my normal podcasts are, are short in this. I want to talk to you for another hour, but here's the thing. <laughs> You have some amazing resources on your website. So I want you to do two things. I I want you to first give your website address so people can find you and then maybe like direct them to one or two things that you think would really be a good, great place to start to
1: um, engage in, in, and then building their skill of sex. Okay. Well, my website is talk sex with Liz, Google that you'll find me everywhere. I do a weekly newsletter. So you'll get accurate information about sex. I answer people's questions about sex. And if you go to my website today, you'll actually get the three tips to get you wanting. So that's for women who may be struggling with desire. Then uh, go to my website get that. And and then you'll be subscribed to my newsletter as well to be able to get weekly great information and some fun stuff to to make you laugh at it. Then my niche is really working with women who are struggling with desire or struggling with the idea of like, how do I become sexually empowered? This skill that you're talking about. And so I find it doesn't really work for everyone to do therapy or to do coaching. Uh, Some people don't really feel comfortable doing that. Um, And also, I mean, not everybody's in California where I'm at. So I offer now a four-week course for women who are wanting to ignite the desire from within themselves to feel more sexually empowered. And over that four weeks, they're going to work on dispelling all these sexual myths that have stifled our comfort talking about sex. They're going to understand what's true about female sexuality, sexual desire, sexual responsiveness. And they're going to, they're going to identify like tools to be able to work on in increasing their desire and then identify what am I doing every day to extinguish this desire? And then lastly, they're going to learn some tools on how to communicate with their partners so that they can be able to start an open dialogue with their partners about what they'd like to be different, what they'd like more of, and, and to feel more comfortable with, with getting what they desire so that sex can be worth wanting. That's
0: great. That's great. So for those of you who are listening out there, first and foremost, you're welcome. (laughs) This was awesome. Liz, I want to thank you so much. And for those of you, we have a very um, large male audience following. So if you're um, saying to yourself, you want to order or buy that package for your partner that Liz just want to uh, describe, don't do it because that will defeat the confidence. But what you want to do is Share this podcast with anyone and everyone, including your partners, tell them to listen to Liz. She's fun and funny and wonderful. And by the way, happens to have some great products on her website. Mm-hmm. So from the two of us, I want to thank everyone for joining in, but Liz, again, you're fun and wonderful. And I'm so grateful for you doing this for me and the audience that's here.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me and boys. I'm sorry, I don't mean to alienate you. I love the ladies, but if you if you're needing support as well, I work with tons of guys that are wanting to feel more sexually empowered and overcome any sort of performance stuff as well. So check out my blog as well because I'm always writing about men and and topics that that affect men as well. So yeah. Yeah, nobody's
0: nobody's gonna be left behind on this one. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. All right, thank you again, everyone. Thank you, Liz. Yeah. Let's go have sex. Bye. Yes. So before we completely wrap up, I want to let you know that full transcripts and show notes for this and other episodes can be found on the website, www.americanconfidenceinstitute.com forward slash podcast. I also want to remind you once again, that the best way to get confidence for yourself is to give it to others. And you can do it so easily just by liking and sharing this episode on your favorite social media channels. You can even give me some confidence fuel by sending in any comments about the topics I've covered or ones you'd like me to consider for the future. So for now, this is Alyssa DeVere, thank you for helping to bring more confidence to the world. This podcast was produced by Mindful Media. All rights reserved by Alyssa DeVere and the American Confidence Institute. Music written and performed by Jeff Weinstein.